0: Hello, everyone, to another episode of the Ecopunks live podcast today, not with Jesse Hirsch, but with myself, Jan Lemke, and David Ryan, uh, who is our guest in today's podcast and will also be our guest and co-host in the following podcast in which we unravel Uh, The topic of aging, we like to frame this for today around the umbrella that we like to call celebrating aging because um, both Jesse and I have actually realized as we uh, grew older that things do not necessarily turn south uh, with time. And uh, therefore, we are really, really happy to have David uh, today with us who belongs to uh, a generation uh, before us. And um, has a little more to say, and uh, I think uh, quite some advice for uh, people like myself and Jesse, who are basically now coming face to face with age. Hello, David. Welcome. Hello, Jan. Where um, do we find you here today? Is that your that your office there?
1: This is our my third our third floor office in uh, in our house in Toronto.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, and it is wintry in Toronto, and not as uh, Seattle, West Coasty as it is in New York here, right? We've got an awful lot of rain, and it's really springy. It's 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 cold
1: this morning, but yesterday it was 11 degrees, and. Uh
0: which oh, all right.
1: for Okay. December is kind of balmy here.
0: Yeah, exactly, way too warm, way too warm, I, I yeah. would agree. Um, yeah, so uh, today we want to kick off a series of podcasts that we dedicate uh, to the topic of aging, celebrating aging, and uh, we want to do something a little unusual here today, uh, David and dear listeners, because we um, don't have a plan around the topic yet. Um, as I said, Jesse and I have been interesting, interested in the topic for quite some time. But the more we spoke about it, the more we actually realized what a big, big beast age is these days. Uh, we just read recently that people increasingly live up to the age of 100. So where do you even start to do that topic justice? And uh, as I said, we want to uh, do it justice by uh, looking onto the positive things here. Um, Uh, David, if I may ask you uh, right out of the gate, because I have been uh, curious and really, really intrigued. Uh, Jesse shared with me the fact that you have um, as a... um, Oh, Maybe we start with your profession. Maybe we start with your profession and then we come to your hobbies. Maybe you tell us um, what the... uh, What one does for a living is or was that you are doing.
1: So I'm... I'm pretty much retired now from uh, my work as a psychologist um and uh and yeah i've you know been a psychologist for a long time i'm still a psychologist but i don't i i write stuff now i don't i used to help people i don't anymore yeah
0: Now, I am am smiling, uh, grinning and have to bite my tongue because you started this off with saying I am a retired psychologist, while two sentences prior to that you told me that you are sitting in your office. So, uh, one of the topics that at some point we have to uh, touch here, you know, in in this big, big behemoth of aging is retirement as a concept. What does that even mean, right? Uh, because yes, you are retired, but you still have an office and and and, and you work and, and and you enjoy it. Um, so you are a psychologist now. Please, I'm dying. Uh, tell us about um, the car shop, drumming, and hockey, if you don't mind. I'm really really curious. I, I am I'm so fascinated by this.
1: Yeah. So couple of days a week, I, I hang out in a friend's garage where we work on Audis and Porsches and Volkswagens and what have you. And the reason why I do that is because, uh, I used to race BMWs and, uh, and my friends in the garage where I now hang out helped me and without them, I would never have been able to pull it off. And so I, when, when I retired from racing, I, I, um, I, I volunteered labor at the garage, um, and, uh, it, uh, actually was essential for helping me get through with a degree of sanity through the pandemic lockdown, because I was able to go to the secure, pandemically secure garage and, and hang out, whereas most people were caught in their apartments and and what have you so yeah so i i work on cars a as an extension of my i've always liked cars and have owned sports cars and racing cars and then i play hockey um i used to be a long distance runner but um after a, after decades of long distance running and pounding on my knees and back uh, from uh, connect connection with my feet my the connection of my feet to the roadway um it became evident that i couldn't do it anymore and so i began right in the middle of my life i was about 40 i i think um i began to uh inline skate
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of a gliding mm-hmm. phenomenon yeah and um but i was living we were living in a place where inline skating was possible you need to have know long relatively traffic free areas in order to inline skate and so when we moved back downtown to downtown Toronto that wasn't possible so I started ice skating
0: Mm.
1: I skated before uh, you know I started ice skating and before you know it I got picked up by a a group of ice skaters and uh, hockey players and
0: that sounds frightening to me, right? I've been on skates twice in my life. That sounds frightening to me, but I find this amazing. So now
1: I play hockey twice, and, twice a, a week. I'm going yeah. go to go and play with a bunch of guys. The average yeah. age is of the people I play with. I think the youngest person is maybe 20. Yeah. And uh, I'm 78. Yeah. And as part of my psychological operation with uh, these young kids is that uh, that I, when I meet them for the first time, I Ask them to consider how embarrassed they're going to feel when I score.
0: As I said, so there, you know, there, 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 goes the psychologist. All right, you get right under their skin and uh, start the, the trash talk right out play. of the game. You, you compensate. You compensate for lack of skill through uh, trash talk, basically.
1: And then, with regard to drums, well, <laughs>
0: you
1: know, I have every record I ever bought. Yeah, um, that was actually was a felonious monk record, in. Uh, Gosh, might have been 1961 or something, two or something like Monk's Dream. I still have it. I've collected records all along, and like music a lot. And uh, I once tried to teach myself to play the fiddle.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But at one point, I was a drummer in a marching band when mm-hmm. I did some military service, and. uh, So I eventually bought myself a trap set, a set of drums. And uh, whenever Sharita isn't around, (laughs) I play drums. And it's a good exercise for older people because in order to be even marginally competent playing drums, you have to uh, be able to manage a variety of extensions, your hands on each side, your feet um and so it's a it's a it's a it's a good thing for older people to be able to you can if you can play drums it's like yeah motion is lotion for older people and if you play drums you don't have to move anywhere in space you can just waggle your arms and bang your feet and make uh, percussive sounds and it and it's a it's a it's a substitute for 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 all sorts of things like it's going also- to the gym, which is something that I've never been able to do.
0: yeah, so david, the the thing uh, that struck me when uh, you know JC told me about you, you know hanging out in the garage and getting your uh, fingers all uh, full of oil, drumming and skating, was that and at that point, I had met you in a, in a few of our salons was and, and I had met you as that really, really, had heavy intellectual right what struck me there was that in uh, midlife you basically went and uh, got all physical right hung out with your friends uh, when you spoke about the garage the the community aspect sounded really really important there and then the drumming i love the way how you uh, described this as a, as a physical athletic endeavor almost um and, and and skating. So uh, you know, I found this really really interesting that you went into that. What sounds almost like an extreme in uh, midlife. Uh, do you have any idea or explanation for uh, why that was? What what tickled your interest uh, and your fascination
1: there? I'm not sure if I agree with you about going into okay. it in midlife. Yeah. i I've, I've always been um... a car guy a car guy from the point of which, um, and, uh, and, um, you know, I've, I've always been an active guy. I, I mean, I wasn't very athletic. I was, you know, when I was a kid, I was, uh, I guess I was kind of an egghead. You know, I was the kind of kid that no one wanted to have on their team, but,
0: uh, so it, you, you became know, a runner, right?
1: Well, first I became first, I became a hippie. Yeah and i went off the grid and built a log house cut down trees and built a log house and lived in it yeah. and became strong and when i came out of the bush um gosh i was strong and so <laughs> yeah. i wanted to stay strong because i hadn't ever been strong before and so i i became a runner in order to keep that strength up
0: yeah
1: and um, and then one thing led to another, but um, but it's I th- I think yeah, you know, part of my work as a psychologist and I work in the area of aging, it's, it became my specialty for the last forty yeah. years of my career. Um, I'm guided by, uh, in part, by a a, 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 um, a study of neonates that was yeah. done in New York in 1954. Uh-huh. It was the New York Longitudinal Study on Aging. And uh, curiously enough, the, the subjects of this study was were neonates, newborn infants. Mm-hmm. And the object of the research program was to identify individual differences amongst just born human beings. And so several, say, um, chess and Escalona, the two scientists, two women, in the New York Longitudinal Study of Aging, found some reliable differences. One of them was activity level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, very active newborns, not so active. Um, and others are response to novel stimuli. Mm-hmm. You know, some uh, some newborns will move towards a, a novel stimulus. Others will turn away from it. Wow! So there are these there are these characteristics, and Stella mm-hmm. Chess. Stella and Escalona, uh, Stella Chesinesco studied these neonates until they were 27 or so, when they eventually lost track of them all, and uh, found that these, that these, these dimensions of individual difference were stable, they, be, they became stable features of, um, of uh, that individual's temperament. Mm-hmm. And I ended up studying it, continued um, studying it in age, I, mean, I did cross-sectional studies of um adults so people of midlife and, and older adults to see if those dimensions were still there mm-hmm. and it, it turns out that they seem to be um and uh well, i don't know if they're the same as when they were when they were when, when 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 they were neonates i haven't been i didn't wasn't able to prove that but um i think so therefore I'm, what i'm getting at is that my athleticism and my intellectual temperament, if the New York Longitudinal Study um, uh, uh, were to have been done on a longitudinal basis, proving that the thing that was there upon birth is there also there at old age, then I would say that, that those characteristics were there to begin with. Okay. Like I was born active, I was born with a resp- A novel with a positive response to novel stimuli. I was born with a sense of um, uh, um, rhythmicity to the to to the habits in my life. All of these. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm I'm so so.
0: Cool question. So, um, positive response to stimuli is that the same as curiosity?
1: Um, Well, it becomes curiosity. I mean, you have to think that a neonate. Uh, doesn't have a higher order cognitive processing going on. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. part is learned, and so mm-hmm. that so that positive response to novel stimuli will become curiosity. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in, uh, in uh, later life, if not curiosity, then at least the willingness to accept new ideas, mm-hmm. n- new people, be in new mm-hmm. situations. That's mm-hmm. so. It's it's kind of it's more generalized than, than curiosity perhaps I don't, I'm not sure
0: uh, yeah no but I um, I I find almost the uh, you know more abstract uh, ex- expression and, and meaning of this uh, more interesting than than calling it curiosity you know it seems to seems to allow for more options here would you say that these um, uh, two aspects um, you know level of activity and also Uh, the positive response to stimuli Um, you said you studied aging Um, help in aging help while one ages Uh,
1: i would say yes and no to that question so Mm -hmm. for example i i i worked um, and studied people with dementia with alzheimer's disease and so um and and it was prompted by uh a project that that i was involved with um in which they people thought that taking allowing people with alzheimer's disease to go into a park a new park would be helpful for them and um so we they built we built the park, and we brought the patients in. We called them subjects, and uh, allowed them to do what they whatever they wanted. Some moved around, and some didn't. Um, so uh, um, it, it, having a park is helpful if you're a person who likes to move around. And not helpful if, uh, if, you, if, you, if you don't. Um, a response to novel stimuli, similarly, imagine being uh, someone with a, a negative response to novel stimuli, someone who avoids change uh, and having dementia,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where you have no memory, and so everything seems new. Right, 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 right. So the world is continually confronting you with uh, a a stimulus array, if you will, Mm. that um, is antithetical to your Mm. temperament, whilst on the other hand, someone who has a positive response to novel stimuli um, would uh, not uh, not find the impact of memory impairment during a dementia as problematic yeah. so in answer to your question you know is act high activity level and positive response to novel stimuli um, a good thing then I would say yes and no so it, it, it depends on, on yeah. this all depends yeah. and then the other side of it too is that um, uh, you know has to do with um, uh, well yeah there's this fellow he's a German his name is Paul Baltus yeah. Who has one of the most prevalent theories of wisdom? And so, you know, what is wisdom? What does it comprise? And one of the features of the Paul Baltus model of wisdom is um, the acceptance of change as an in, as inevitability. So wise people accept change as a positive thing, or rather than a. so the concepts. These are fuzzy concepts, and uh, and they they contradict one another at uh, various points because we wouldn't. Well, maybe we would want to say that someone who doesn't have a positive response to novel stimuli shouldn't be shouldn't be considered wise, but then that's uh, uh, you know that uh, presupposes our uh, definitions of. And our understanding of what wisdom actually is
0: but you know maybe maybe we can briefly um, stay here for a, a second um, because I also in in different words um, took note of that prior to our conversation yeah you know, I expressed it as shifting purpose shifting identity and shifting perspectives with age and I could imagine that um, People experience this now um, yeah, more often and more prominently as we get older, but also tends to age better or, or more aware. Where I'm going with this is that, um, you know, I, I just asked myself the other day, why is academic education right now uh, the privilege of the uh, 18 to, let's say, 24, 26 year olds, right? why don't we um for example i'm getting off on a tangent here but why don't we say all right okay that's good for the first 25 years for the next 25 years from you know 55 to 80 uh, go to school again at 50 if you want to right so 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 this change that shift i think as we uh, live longer and experience more um don't you think that people will become more accustomed to, um, yeah, that change, that shift?
1: Yes and no. Mm -hmm. I think it all depends. And so, you know, for myself, um, I've had a a varied career. I, you know, I, I dropped, you know, I dropped out of school uh, and when I tuned in and turned on and went to the bush and built log houses and uh, then came back, I, I finished my Ph.D. I forget how old I was when I finished my Ph.D. I was I think I was in my 50s when I finished my Ph.D. Similarly, Sharita, my wife, whom you met, was uh, initially an occupational therapist and became tired of that and then. Returned to graduate school and became a doctor. Yeah. Became another PhD. We're a family of PhDs, in that sense. But you know, at the same time, that's because we both, in you know, we use your word curiosity. We both, we both yeah. have a positive response to novel stimuli. We we accept and want uh, change for the most part, whereas others don't. Yeah. and uh, for them to be required to do something you know they find a, a place in their lifespan where they're comfortable and everything stays the same and this matches their temperament and meets their needs then feeling compelled that you know they they're not doing the right thing if they don't change uh, would be more problematic for them so you know on the other hand if you if you if you um I, I, I suspect it was certainly in my case that, um, and Sharita's case as well, that when we were in graduate school, um, notwithstanding our own age at the time, that there were um, many older people. Mm. Often, you know, not 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 um, it's it not surprising to find ninety-year-olds
0: okay. decided
1: they want to get their PhD because they've always wanted to do it.
0: That's that's Therefore, interesting. Yeah, but that, that's interesting I have not made that experience uh, in Europe oh. um, uh, you know so so I did not know this and by the way this was not uh, set up or orchestrated here I feel like I just described a second education at fifty as something on the future and then David comes in and said yeah I am Sharri and I've already done that uh, but uh, no this is basically um, uh, yeah, validating my point that this is a beautiful thing that uh, gives you, gives you, gives you some more, some more wind in the sails for the second half, right? That's amazing. I had no idea that you had done this,
1: yeah. So, but uh, you know what I'm saying is, is that you know, some of us, uh, uh, um, when there the wind comes into our sails, we want to mm-hmm. sail off to it with it because that's what makes us feel most comfortable. And I, what my argument is, is because when we were neonates, we respond, we move when uh, Mm -hmm. mothers and grandmothers waves are rattled above our heads, we moved towards it because we had a positive response to novel stimuli. Whereas other people who, when they were newborn, would turn away from the novel stimuli when the wind came in their sails would not try to sail away with it. they would try to find a way to get rid of the wind because they didn't want change to happen. And that's okay for them.
0: Yeah. Now, now may I ask you uh, as a psychologist, right, um, if I have the have the impression that I might be one of those uh, what did you call them neonites, neonites? as an as a newborn, a newborn a
1: exactly. Jan is a newborn.
0: right, exactly. If I was one of those people who did not really show much interest in what the nurse or my grandmother did, but I now realize that hey, it would actually behoove me and benefit me to uh, be a little more curious here. you know what can what can uninterested people do to become more interested? <laughs> The
1: question is, what can people who have a negative response to novel stimuli do to make themselves, um, to change themselves? Mm-hmm. I suspect that, uh, you know, it's, it's like a, a, um, change in any other area. It's hard to achieve. It, um, it's very structured. You would begin simply. I would have to yeah. devise, I would begin with a behavioral program for you and a set of, uh, I would have to understand what is rewarding for you in your unchanging life present. Yeah. And then uh, use those things to uh, uh, to um, to uh, operantly condition you to be more open to different things. It would be a long, hard process. I don't know if we'd be successful, Jan.
0: But you, you sound hopeful, David, you sound hopeful, and that is, that is good enough for me, that is good enough for me. Now, talking about change, right, I'm, I'm curious, uh, since you've studied aging, um, you know, from, from, from your studies, what would you uh, think is maybe not the biggest misconception, but what do you think should society change about the way it, it deals or understands or maybe mis- misunderstands? aging? Is there any untapped potential? Is there, um, you know, something that deserves more attention? Is there anything that stands out for you?
1: Um, in terms of society's kind of understanding of aging. So yeah, right. So, you know, there are lots of things too, that, um, that stand out to me is, um, is that, um, is, is that people have to underst- to to disentangle aging from cognitive decline. Mm-hmm. So cognitive decline is not an inexorable consequence of getting old. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, interestingly enough, um, this evidence for this assertion was uh, was first um, made by I think Ivan Pavlov the Mm -hmm. russian um who uh, studied uh, classical the guy
0: the guy with the pavlovian dogs
1: the pavlovian dogs because ivan pavlov didn't euthanize his dogs once he's finished with them Mm -hmm. he kept them and so he studied actually dogs as they aged and uh, discovered that some of those dogs became what we now call cognitively impaired and some didn't yeah so so um, you know, it's very important with regard to, say, for example, um, uh, Joe Biden, President Biden.
0: I was he's, just. He's I was eighty-one, just, I was, and people are
1: saying that he's going to lose it, and he need not necessarily. I was, lose it.
0: I was just thinking that his own party is turning on him, and yeah. uh, people who are supporters are turning on him. And I'm thinking, hey, wait a minute, uh, you know, one of the most important German chancellors was Konrad Adenauer after the Second World War, yeah. who was already in his mid 80s, right? And I get it, uh, technology didn't play the role uh, that it does play today. Yeah. But uh, the way in which um, age is you know, being, being handled here, weaponized here, demonized, demonized, Right. Yeah. As if it was a disease and as if you can only basically count the days and see how Joe declines is uh, disgusting, uh, to, yeah. to say the least, and scientifically wrong.
1: Yeah. And then another thing that I would say that people misunderstand about aging is, um, well, you know, think about think about um, think about uh like so how old are you when you're old Mm
0: -hmm. so
1: it used to be that you know 65 people retired because they became too old to work at 65 i retired when i was 75 but and you the oldest person in the world that i have heard about was madame valmont who a couple of decades ago died in france at the age of 124 so yeah. this period between 65 and 124, how many years is that? That's four, five, that's six decades, 60 years, and it has the same label. Older. Yeah. Whereas if, you if you go to other parts of the lifespan, like think about childhood. You have neonates, You then you have infants, and then you have, gosh, I've forgotten what they are. It's been such a long time since I had children running around. You know we have young children and then teenagers and then young adults and and then um, um middle age so in the, the 60 years as old but the 60 years prior to that there are 10 or 15 different categories so right. i think that's the thing that people misunderstand and because what it what it ends up being um uh, 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 determining is a a failure to understand that individual differences are much broader amongst older people than at any other point in the lifespan
0: like yeah and you can break down more say it again and you can break down old even further, right? Is it, is it physically old? Is it mentally old? Is it maybe in terms of, you know, attitude old? And uh, what I also like about you bringing um, the definition, uh, the qualitative the, the quantitative definition of the word old into play here with retirement is that I think retirement was, uh, if I'm not entirely wrong, an invention by Otto von Bismarck. And that must have happened in uh, 1880 something when the uh, life expectancy of people uh, was actually below 60. So people didn't even reach the retirement age. And then the uh, government basically decided, okay, for those who really get that old, they really don't have to work now anymore. They've basically earned their keep. Let's give them their money. But since then, Right. Since then, life expectancy exploded by another four decades, uh, but our mindset remained uh, really, really focused on that 63, 65, 67 years of age retirement age. Yeah. Right. So I don't, I, I don't uh, know if that. Yeah, I, I,
1: I hadn't heard of Otto von Bismarck's uh, contribution to our understanding of age, but my thinking about it upon hearing it. Is that it's likely wasn't didn't have anything to do with making people's lives easier.
0: It was an economic financial was, let's give right. let's you give a bone let's give, of, a bone. let's give a bone. to the dogs. Yeah. Right? To those who don't count anymore anyway. Right. That was his retirement, his economic decision. But yeah. no one no one was concerned whether um your quality so of the, life was Exactly right. 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 Yeah. You know, so, so I, I find that interesting. Um, yeah, cognitive decline. Um, um, I find this amazing. You know, also economically speaking, um, the advertising and marketing industry is basically focused on consumers usually at the age of sixteen to forty-five. Right? So if you're older than 45, you're already aged out, you're no longer marketing relevant, And now you have to ask yourself, okay, if the new life expectancy is 100, that means that once you age out of that 45 target audience age, there are going to be another 55 years during which either you or other people will spend money on behalf of you. So um, this needs all to be reconsidered, uh, rethought. I'm very, very interested in um, alternative um, uh, ways of living uh, in age, uh, particularly as people get older. Uh, My mother, for example, uh, David, is uh, single, uh, living on her own. And she has uh, a bunch of friends who she goes hiking with regularly, and a few years ago they actually did discuss whether they should uh, buy a ranch, you know, set that up into quarters and then move into that with a pack of, uh, yeah, 10, 12 retirees in order to, yeah, spend each other company, um, you know, create some community, but also um, help each other uh, practically, right? So I find um, that super interesting. Is there I feel, I feel honestly, David, I feel it's probably impossible that we leave this call here today uh, with a clear idea of how we plan out the um, uh, series here. Is there any, any topic, uh, and it feels like we touched already on many of those, that you would like to discuss next, that you would say, hey, uh, let's start the next podcast with topic X? Uh,
1: well, um... We, there are two things, one might be um, ageism mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's kind of an extension of our conversation about, you know, what do people think about aging and what misunderstandings yeah. do they have and that can lead to ageism which I think is, um, I worked my whole career um, in, in this area of aging. Uh, with one of the themes being reducing inherent ageism Mm -hmm. that has now um, run amok. Ageism is coming back um, uh, big time. And uh, and perhaps the other one might be about cognition. Yeah. Um, You know, um, you know, our a continuation of our conversation about, you know, is is dementia an inevitability for older people and you know, what is the, what, what do we mean when we say memory because people don't understand what what um, the way we think about memory these days and and um, you know. so those are two areas that are possible and we, we also included in that uh, the idea of wisdom yeah. and what is it and, it, and is it, a, is it true that people become more wise as they become older? Or is that a myth?
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, let's, make that, let's make that a separate one, a third one. Um, what I love about uh, cognition is also that people usually uh, see the brain as something that only gets less and less and less and less over time, right? But do not understand that you can actually build it up and, and, and train it. Um, I had a really, really fascinating uh, experience with my grandmother. I think she was thir- she was 82 or something. And then one day I visited her, and um, on uh, her nightstand was a uh, high school math book about um, uh, algebra and analysis. And I uh-huh. asked her, I asked her what what that was about. You know, what what is that doing on your nightstand? And she said, Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, I felt a little rusty. I um, thought I needed to refresh this a little bit, you know? And I thought, I thought, that's amazing. You know, 82, she was tutoring, she was tutoring an eighth grader in something, but, um, um, you know, she was totally dialed into, uh, you know, still building herself and getting better at age and not just thinking that it's like, oh, only downhill from here, 45. Um, so this is, this is great. I took down, um, ageism and, and then in brackets misperceptions of age, uh, cognition, and then wisdom as a, as a third one. Um, I think at one point as a, um, a fourth one, we have to also talk about, uh, networks that, um the older populations in our societies uh, can and ultimately will build in the future, right? The fact that there is basically this mass explosion of uh, elderly people, 50 plus, uh, will automatically lead to uh, network effects. Um, And uh, maybe that is something that we then can talk in uh, the fourth section about after we've spoken about age, cognition and wisdom, right? What is the what is the potential? What is the power of uh, elderly networks or uh, networks that are built and shaped by the elderly? Elderly, is that a, is that a terrible term? It sounds awful. Elderly, do you even say that in English? Is that a good word to use? It sounds bad. No, no. Does it not sound no, bad? Not, not a good word to use. OK, thank you. I yeah. thought so. I thought so sorry David can you yeah, can you propose a better one
1: well most of the words that uh, are used to describe um, older people are, are not very happily received by older people themselves uh-huh. like you know senior citizens that's 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 uh, not so good the, the, the medical specialty for uh, for uh, for older people are Geriatricians and the specialty is geriatrics. Yeah, older people don't like the idea of being referred to as geriatrics.
0: Just, it, it, you know what? I think people who I are older. That, I think this is a really, really good topic too—a separate topic, right? Language and aging, uh, because we call this series here celebrating aging. So we want to look at it through uh, through a positive lens. How can we? So, you know, this? it's interesting,
1: Jan, yeah. let me interrupt, forgive me, but yeah. when you say celebrating aging, yeah. the implication is, and about, um, so, you know, the implicate, one, one, one interpretation of celebrating aging is that we're going to talk about old people or getting old. Yeah. yeah, But celebrating aging, you, we could equally, as we have already today, talked about uh, neonates because they age as well mm-hmm. and teenagers age so celebrating aging could actually mean celebrating living or mm-hmm. celebrating the progression of time through life mm-hmm. rather than celebrating aging as a, a focus on older people like mm-hmm. in there are these two you get yeah. what I mean?
0: Uh, I, I I get what you mean. I mean, we obviously here want to talk about the older people, but I like the uh, framing uh, that you. So it'd be celebrating
1: gave. older people.
0: Right. Exactly. We are celebrating age, older age. <laughs> age. There you go. Blood. Right. Um, no, the but. You know, let's come back to language that is being used and this, that being perceived. Because I um, think you're absolutely right, and 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 the uh, you know, good efforts or well-intended efforts, more or less well-intended efforts, of the industry to find good words are oftentimes even more consulting, uh more 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 insulting. Uh, for example, uh, somewhere I <laughs> that's awful. Read uh, consumers being referred to as silver surfers because they basically have white hair now in age. I'm like, yeah. come on, please, you know, stop it. You know, that's that's making it worse. Stop. There it, was red. a great comic book called The Silver Surfer.
1: Was there? Yeah, The Silver Surfer, a Marvel comic. Yeah, no. He, I, he wrote. I, he was silver and he, he was a yeah. male, and yeah. he wrote a surfboard that was silver. The
0: Silver Surfer. Yeah. No, that was, that was something else. That was a target group um, reference here. Anyway, um, yeah, maybe we take that down as a, as a fifth topic, uh, language that is being used in the, in the context. So well, this is great, David, thank you very, very much. Um, we will uh, set up the upcoming sessions here. The next one is going to be ageism and the misperceptions of age and uh we will invite additional people to this and take it on from there and embark on our um journey through the older age all right thank you very much have a great uh, week everyone and talk soon thank you bye-bye